Living Islam Narcissism the psychological catchword of the 21st century but what is narcissism how does it corrupt the soul and can it be treated and cured Join Maulana Zaheer Ahmed Ragi every Wednesday morning as he unpacks the topic of narcissism and enlightens us on the Islamic perspective of tackling this spiritual sickness. Radio Islam International, bringing you contemporary and pertinent psychological discussions. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to Radio Islam International. You are listening to the program You Are Loved. And we are discussing about narcissism. This is the 21st episode. And, uh, you know, last week we discussed certain uh, traits of a codependent. We welcome our guest, Malana Zahir Ahmad Raghi. Malana, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Well, in our last discussion, we were discussing the traits of a uh, codependent, and uh, we did the, the trait of them, to uh, how to identify the trait. We spoke about uh, the trait that they make excuses for abuse and disrespect. And uh, we mentioned that uh, they get upset and get annoyed when they are made aware of the abuse that they are experiencing. Uh, then we also... Uh, Explain about, uh, you know, how a narcissist will use love bombing and gaslighting together uh, for a person, for a codependent to stay on with that person because they will try every excuse in the book to make them love them and after that they will devalue them and uh, look for the old love and joy again. That's what a codependent will do. They will gaslight them and it's like a seesaw. We see that it goes up and down, up and down and a person never gets out from there until he begins to recognize the trade that he is in. We also discussed, we were discussing the topic of uh, they isolate you in your support system in a family. And we mentioned that uh, they say the family is getting jealous of you when if the family tries to intervene. Also, uh, the, understa- the Islamic understanding of the rights uh, being the main, the main issue also, they feel very uncomfortable. Islam is often used by narcissists to cover their own insecurities. And privacy in space doesn't exist in a narcissist's books and when narcissists blame uh, steers for their own behavior, it gives the reason of uh, to, to not feel guilty uh, because they use uh, these uh, these types of excuses. While we're still discussing about uh, when, uh, so narcissists isolate a person in the support system in the family. Uh, when a narcissist blames things or people of their own bad behavior, it gives them a reason to not feel guilty for all the awful things they say and do. Yes. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Jazakallah for that introduction, Balana. And uh, we continue with the discussion of uh, the codependent and the narcissist and the relationships that ensue from that. And we are discussing this and, uh, and we've repeatedly said that one should not self-evaluate. You need to get professional help. And here we are just identifying certain traits and not necessarily that if you find one or two traits that you are indeed a narcissist or whatever else it is. But more importantly, how they manipulate uh, codependence. So many narcissists, men and women, and unfortunately you get them in both uh, genders. So many men and women will simply forbid their partners from going out with friends completely or 
tell them that they could see their friends only once a month. And this is something that we spoke a little last week, and I'm just continuing from that discussion. Or only if they are on their best behavior. Interrogate them about, they would interrogate them about which friends they want to meet and uh, state that it would be at a place that only they would approve of. They will also need to approve of what their partners are wearing. So going out while looking attractive is absolutely unacceptable. Uh, We've discussed this last week and uh, this is something that we need to also clarify that uh, we need to keep in mind that the context of our discussion, it's not that we're encouraging people and more, more so for our female listeners or women to just go out looking very attractive. Uh, the Islamic guidelines need to be observed. But we are talking of some of the traits that you need to observe and you need to be aware of whether the reasons given by your partner are more as a display of this narcissistic disorder. And it would be common for women to be told that they cannot leave the house with any makeup, uh, to wear very loose clothing, to be pious. And yes, alhamdulillah, uh, whilst it is true and absolutely necessary that Allah Ta'ala requires women to cover well, not to display their beauty in public, except that which is ne- which necessarily appears, uh, that is naturally a pretty face, to avoid causing fitna, temptations for men. However, narcissists would often use Islam to justify their requests so that religious women don't argue against it. In the reality, though, these men are just using it as a cover for their own insecurities. So you need to be aware where it's coming from. Other women who aren't so religious may comply just to be able to go out and, you know, enjoy that space away from that abuse. And both narcissistic men and women commonly romanticize this form of manipulation. And what I'm talking of this form of manipulation is the whole concept of isolation and social control. Uh, so that their partner believes they are just being protective, uh, being protective or possessive from love and justify tolerating it. Narcissists really hate, they hate it when women have caring male relatives. And this is so important for us to keep in mind. Narcissists really hate it when women have caring men relatives who have the ability to stop them from carrying out their injustices. They also hate it when you don't answer every time they call, when you are away from them and will surely punish you later for the anxiety you put them through. Even when you tell them that you are just, you just need some space. Now, this aspect of privacy, uh, somebody is putting some uh, 
comments here, but Jazakallah for the comment. I won't repeat it on the radio of the comment that you've put, but Jazakallah for the comment. Uh, yes, Morana. So, this aspect of privacy, the words privacy and space does not exist in a narcissist's book of vocabulary and they will even despise the shadow that accompanies you wherever you go. And you will find that they feel entitled to always go through your private things, such as your emails, your phone, your keepsafe boxes. They would desperately look for things that they can hold against you later, even if they are from your past. And this is typical of narcissists, that they will desperately look for things that they hold and they can hold against you. And the only time a narcissist will happily give you space to go out with friends and spend time alone is when they are busy hunting for new victims or when they are with another victim. Narcissists may also go as far as to brainwash their partners into thinking that they had black magic done on them by those who love and advise them so that they become suspicious. Uh, this is common of narcissists that they would like you to be suspicious of your support system. So, Marana, we spoke about how they would like to isolate you from your support system. Mm. And one of the ways they use in their manipulation is create suspicion about your support systems, even if it means that they may just, you know... Uh, say that black magic has been done on you by those who love and advise them so that they become suspicious they become rebellious and so that they change their attitude towards their support system and if they feel they may be some truth in what they are saying it becomes even more difficult Gee, man, we've seen that uh, when we've seen that black magic done uh, to them, it shows that the whole support system that is there, it's actually broken down where a person has no support system at all. Yes. Okay. Mark, uh, the, can we just recap what, uh, what was said, you know, with this whole codependence yeah. part? Yeah. Now, so, so when a narcissist blames things or people for their own behavior, it gives them a reason to feel guilty for all the awful things they say and they do. For example, if their partner is on some medication, maybe antidepressants, because the, the trauma that they go through, uh, many a times some of the ones that the victims have to go through certain medication and sometimes it is antidepressants, uh, they will say that the medication is making him or her paranoid. The medication is making you crazy. And if they have close friends, they will blame any acts of disobedience or bad attitude on their assumed bad advice. And they will turn anything and everyone into the cause of their misery. And we find that people find, often find, that narcissists don't like visiting their in-laws. People often find that narcissists don't like visiting their in-laws at all, unless they have an agenda. 
such as complaining to them first about the son or about the daughter before they do to make it look like they are not the bad person in this relationship. And if they must visit them, they would prefer to be with their partner or they only let them stay for a short while. And usually they will give them a time limit and will call them to leave immediately once the time limit is over. And if they don't leave at a specific time, it will become a big issue when their partners return home. And, you know, you often hear codependents say that they hate going out because their partners are constantly calling, texting, embarrassing them in front of people until they no longer wish to visit anyone because of the stress that has been caused to them. Now, another aspect that we need to be absolutely aware of and be conscious of, and that is Islamic teachings, unfortunately, are commonly distorted by narcissists to force women to get permission for every little thing that they want to do as a way of having full control over their every move. We need to understand that a narcissist thrives on control. So many wives are perceived and treated as slaves, unfortunately, who are owned by their husbands and not as people with rights, with freedoms, and free will. In Islam, a wife has freedom. She enjoys freedom. She enjoys a free will. She has her own rights. Or alternatively, men also enjoy that. And sometimes the narcissist disorder is displayed either by the male or the female. But now currently we are focusing on some of the narcissistic disorders displayed by men. And these types of men actually love it when their wives forget to ask for permission. Mm. Uh, And the reason for that is it allows them to level up in the toxic game and enjoy coming up with various ways of punishing them. More often than not, even if they do ask for permission, they won't give it. Or they give it after they do something for them just for the sake of flexing power. And this is one of the weakness. You know, when you want to maintain that absolute control and authority and power over your partner, it's actually an indication of your own self, uh, non-confidence in yourself. In a nutshell... Narcissists are joy killers and they will not allow people to enjoy what they love. They will only give crumbs if they behave and when they do this, a codependent will actually thank them and be extra nice in return for them being so kind to give them some freedom or the ability to temporarily do something they enjoy. In a normal and healthy relationship, in a normal and healthy situation, a husband would generally trust that his wife is sensible, 
He would trust that his wife is wise, sensible and wise enough to know what's best for her. And that so she wouldn't need to ask him for permission to do everything in life. But instead, inform him so that he has knowledge of her whereabouts and who she is with for safety reasons and for other practical reasons. That's a different thing. But narcissists enjoy. They don't like to be with your family. They enjoy taking you to their family gatherings because it gives them a chance to show everyone that they have someone who respects them because no one else in their own family does as they all know who they truly are. And this is something that you will observe that a narcissist does not have the confidence and he needs to showcase you as a trophy and therefore he will t like to take you to his family so that he has an opportunity to show his confidence. In reality, none even in their families know because they know their characters. Therefore, if you express disinterest in going, it just becomes unacceptable to them. Because when they are alone with their family, their families can create and treat them like they always do with disrespect. But... The in-laws would respect their partner's presence usually and to tend and tend to stay quiet. And this, this, this battle between, you know, uh, authority, control is something that is unfortunate in this type of a relationship. You'll notice that narcissists usually give their partners sharp looks when they want to leave and enjoy seeing them quickly scurry around gather the things before they have a chance to get annoyed. Now, Morana, you asked just to recap. Mm. So to recap, just the common types of punishments that the narcissist will do and give, and it can be on both sides, forbidding them from something they like. In the narcissist's eye, it's a privilege, such as seeing their friends, uh, sometimes giving them silent treatment, full-blown rages to intimidate and instill fear, destroying their favorite possessions, hiding their important possessions, even like your ID, passport, etc. And then unfortunately, even physical abuse. One other way of punishing that a narcissist does is refusing intimacy, and this is from both sides, male and female, stopping any financial allowance, neglecting their rights and just natural deeds or needs. Narcissists will punish you, the partners harshly for any and all kinds of reasons, such as not wearing what they were asked to wear. And if they refuse to cook dinner, even after they've been verbally or physically abused, they may even go out, buy themselves some food, usually their favorite, and not bring them back as a form of punishment. These are some weird habits and traits of a narcissist. Sometimes they will also post inappropriate 
images of themselves on social media, such as revealing selfies just to get likes and comments that they know that their partners will see, to make their partners feel insecure and also to make their partners feel suspicious. They love to see their partners worry when they see other compliments messaging them. Now, it's a very toxic way of reminding them that they have options and people who want them. So they need to behave because they are lucky to have them in their lives. These are some of the very weird, you know, characteristics of a narcissist in a relationship. A very concrete fact about narcissists is that they need codependence to survive and they don't care at all if they eventually hate them. They are actually able to live with people who hate them and really enjoy the misery they put people through because they are miserable themselves and they love making life difficult. Now, there is a beautiful hadith in this context which I would, you know, bring you. A hadith narrated by Jabir ibn Abdullah radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Remember, we spoke about parenting and we spoke about the responsibilities of parents in the way that they should, uh, you know, uh, parent their children. So there's a beautiful hadith that I would like to bring in the context of our discussion, Marana. And that is, Jabir ibn Abdullah radiallahu ta'ala anhu narrates that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, anyone who has three daughters provides for them clothes and shows mercy to them will surely enter Jannah. A man from his people said, and what if someone only has two daughters? And Rasulullah said, even two. Now, this hadith, many of us might have heard this hadith, but I want to expand on this hadith in the context of our discussion. Some ulama believe that if the man had asked Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam even about one daughter, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would have said the same thing, that if you even if you have one daughter, Jannah will become obligated upon you uh, in the way that you bring your children up. Now, this hadith, and this is the aspect in the context of our discussion, this hadith emphasizes the importance and the role and duties of a father towards his daughter. This hadith emphasizes the importance of the role and duties of a father towards his daughters because his relationship with them, the relationship of a father with his daughter will immensely impact the future, the mental health, and the choice of husband that the wife makes. And therefore, this hadith is so crucial in the discussion that we have that the role and duty of a father towards his daughter is important because the, his relationship with them will immensely impact the future of a daughter, the future of her mental health, and the future 
of the choices she make when she wants to marry. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam was the most kind, the most loving, the most compassionate, the most understanding, the most caring father. And the way he treated his four daughters, subhanallah, set an example of how fathers should honor this blessing of Allah Ta'ala by giving a man daughters to take care of. And the examples of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam should be observed. And I feel that it is necessary for every father to read the seerah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and the way he interacted with his daughters. Moana, if you recall, many, I think it was maybe a few months or maybe even last year or two years ago, in our lengthy discussion of the interactions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, there was a specific section that we discussed the interactions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam with his children. And it's so important. There are such beautiful lessons in that. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, as I've said, was the most kind, loving, compassionate, understanding, caring father. It is known that mothers have a very high position in Islam after Allah but loving and affectionate fathers have an equally important position. We know that mothers have a very high and noble position in Islam after the position of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But together with that, loving and affectionate fathers have an equally important position in Islam with regards to their daughters. A father's responsibility is sensitive. A father's responsibility is sensitive and demands a lot of care. And maybe, Marana, uh, just uh, for your information and maybe for the listeners, I'll take this opportunity of just announcing also, inshallah, that my youngest daughter is getting married on Saturday. Uh, and we make dua that, uh, and we request people to uh, make dua for her. And perhaps it is in that context that uh, I'm discussing this aspect also in the context of our discussion. So a father's responsibility is sensitive. And it demands a lot of care. So much so that all his sins will be forgiven. And he will be granted Jannah if he raises his daughters well. Subhanallah. Mm. Raising girls is a greater challenge for a man than raising boys. Mm. As it requires him to bond with his daughters. It requires him to bond with his daughters. It requires him to meet them at a deeply emotional level. Like how Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam bonded with his daughters. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam had an emotionally deep relationship with his daughters. The protection of the mental, spiritual and physical health. And together with that, the chastity of a girl and a daughter is in itself a great task. The protection of the mental health of a daughter, 
the protection of the spiritual health of a daughter, the protection of a f- the physical health of a daughter, the protection of the chastity of the daughter is in itself a great task but comes with abundant rewards. And therefore, the reward for that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has said is Jannah. And a father can only succeed in raising them if he does it with love, if he does it with patience, if he does it with kind advice, if he does it with trust, if he does it with understanding. Now, again, I'm emphasizing the relationship that is at home the relationship that a father establishes at home with his daughters will have a lasting impact on the mental, spiritual, physical and chastity of a daughter in her relationships, future relationships with her husband. And therefore, their protection of their mental, spiritual comes with abundant rewards. And a father can only succeed in raising them if he does it with love, if he does it with patience, if he does it with kind advice, if he does it with trust, if he does it with understanding. A girl's emotional relationship with her father is more important than that with her mother. Now, let us understand very carefully what I'm saying here. A girl emotional relationship with her father is more important than that with her mother. Because that girl is going to grow up to live with another man. And her emotional stability has to be of a level that has been developed in a home where she is able to distinguish and find the balance that is required of her to be a mother, a wife, and that's important. So a girl's emotional relationship with her father is extremely important and sometimes more important than with her mother, especially over the age of seven. And therefore you find Islamically, a Muslim father is granted custody of his daughter when she reaches the age of seven for this reason among many others. Whereas a boy sometimes is required to be able to choose between his parents and there is a reason why he is required to be able to choose as he may be the only mahram for his mother and will need her affection and will need her nurturing. And boys tend to need their mothers more emotionally as father's role with them is usually more educational and practical. But a father's relationship with a daughter is far more on a higher level of emotional and mental balance. Well, then we come to the point of uh, is there anything wrong with a lady being more intelligent and successful than a man? It's actually an asset to him as she can help him in many of his personal affairs by being knowledgeable and educated through a, to raise and teach her children as well. This is again another very, very sensitive question, Morana. And you will find 
that uh, narcissist men are unable or they find it very difficult to navigate when their partners are more intelligent, when their partners are more successful than them. And this is, uh, this is the distribution of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah ta'ala in his wisdom sometimes provides certain women with more intelligence, certain women with more success than their husbands. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with a woman being more intelligent or more successful than the men. It's actually an asset, as you've said. As she can help him in many of his personal affairs by being knowledgeable and educated enough to raise and teach her children well. The only uh, the point that uh, that comes is that uh, in today's time we find that uh, when there is uh, this challenge that you know my wife is earning more than me, it becomes like me versus her instead of joint. Yes, yes, and that's that's the challenge, and 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 you find that today in many many cultures this has become a major problem. Uh, I had been discussing with some ulama in the, in India and some business people in India recently. And in my discussions, you know, I've uh, found and they've also mentioned that this has become a major problem in India. But I would not restrict it to India, but throughout the world where sometimes certain women who are more successful, more educated than their male partners does create certain challenges. But there is a need for the men to understand and be matured to be able to manage this. Mm. So, however, many Muslim men have been conditioned by culture and have been conditioned by society to only believe that the qualities that make a woman desirable and feminine are beauty. This is something that is in a culture and many cultures that... uh, only believe that they believe that the qualities that make a woman desirable or feminine is beauty, is submissiveness, is shyness, it's obedience, it's patience, chastity, and being softly spoken. Yes, these are excellent attributes that every woman should have, but it's not restricted to that. But the culture that many societies have. They believe that only these attributes of being submissive, of being shy, of being obedient, of just making sabr and having patience, just being softly spoken, these are the only qualities that make a woman desirable. However, these men strongly believe that they must excel women in intelligence. They must excel women in Islamic knowledge. They must excel women in education. They must excel women in finances, in career, strength, authority, or they lose a large chunk of it, of their manhood, their authority, and their masculinity. And these are challenges, yes, but we need to be able to manage that. Islam does not... And I know I'm going to say this, Monana. Uh, There might be some people that might uh, take offense to what I'm saying. Islam does not 
prevent women from being educated. Islam does not say that women should not be more intelligent than men. It is the distribution of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala sometimes creates it in that way. Islam does not say that women should be less financially independent uh, than their husbands. No, certain women might be more financially independent than their husbands. But it's the way that the husband should manage it and the intelligence and the maturity of certain women should also be that if they have this upper hand, they need to be understanding the concept of a family. Mm. And these are important things for us to keep in mind. This misunderstanding is what contributes towards a disturbing narcissistic mindset in Muslim men. And you will find that sometimes certain women, if they are studying, and if they are studying certain secular educational education, or so I'm using the word secular just for convenience sake. Mm. And there are many ways by which you can study today in, in, within the framework of Sharia. We're not talking of just, you know, encouraging them to go out of the doors and homes. That's not what we're talking of. But if they are studying certain uh, certain uh, qualifications, certain degrees, and the narcissistic man will feel that he did not study, and he feels that it's going to cause his insecurity, and he may even prevent his wife from studying. This is something that, that manipulation, that authoritative manipulation, which is a trait of a narcissist. And these things are important for us to be able to manage in the correct way. So this misunderstanding is what contributes towards a disturbing narcissistic mindset in many a Muslim men. They learn that to put a woman, excelling them back in her place, they have to abuse her. They have to belittle her ambitions. They have to belittle her skills. They have to belittle her knowledge, her talents, so that she feels unworthy of being anything other than a submissive housewife. In this instance, you'll find a talented, codependent woman may subconsciously accept this. And she may even find excuses to be with him. Remember, our broad discussion was about codependence. So when this happens, a talented, educated, matured, codependent woman may subconsciously accept this and find excuses to be with such a husband. She may even give up and justify her passions and dreams to make a man happy in the name of love in the name of Islam, and that is rather his understanding of Islam, a, a narcissistic's understanding of Islam. Sometimes we also see many women unwillingly accept to be housewives. Unwillingly, I'm putting the emphasis on unwillingly. Sometimes we also see many women unwillingly accept to be housewives. And then even abandon some of their, uh, their professions. The professions that they do, the jobs that they do with all the shari requirements fulfilled. The emphasis here should be on that. 
there is nothing wrong for a woman to do a particular task or to or to practice her profession if all the shari requirements are fulfilled but many a times they will sacrifice that in spite of all the shari requirements fulfilled to live in so called inverted commas islamic lifestyle to please their husbands some even go the whole you know doing everything possible and they would even you know cover their face to please them despite never wearing a hijab before now we need to again understand what i'm saying here is that the covering of the face is a requirement of sharia to be indoors is the best advice for a woman and i'm emphasizing this aspects because unfortunately we find that in this program of ours there were people that started uh, misrepresenting mm. what we said for their own reasons and uh, uh, you know people will do that so therefore we need to understand what we are saying so islam encourages women to have to be modestly dressed it encourages women that if they have to fulfill a profession they have to do it within the bounds of sharia within the framework of sharia uh, some men who are narcissists who are narcissists and because of the complex that they suffer they use sharia to manipulate and control their wives the reason for us discussing this is we need to be aware of this we need to be conscious of this and we should not be manipulated in this way which would result eventually in a toxic unhealthy relationship what are the questions any uh, comments the one question came in assalamu alaikum can marana also cover narcissist bosses <laughs> yes look uh, i think what we need to keep in mind that when we talk about traits narcissistic traits is not restricted to homes mm. is not restricted to relationships either a female narcissist or a male narcissist it's not restricted to a home you will find this between employers and employees you will find it in uh, in in your work uh, environments and even in schools in madrasas in lots of other you know fields mm. yes definitely now on assalamu alaikum i'm listening to the program alhamdulillah everything marana speaks about i'm going through with my husband who is an assassin and i'm going through it daily my life is a loving hell with him all i need is dua sometimes i wish he is no more uh, allah make me maaf but uh, that is the way how he troubles me yeah allah make it easy and it's it's a common problem man. it's a common problem in fact uh, when i traveled recently uh, i was surprised uh, that at the dubai airport they were advertising a book and it caught my eye mm. it was the book of the year and the book of the year was surrounded by anasus <laughs> so uh, i think it's just becoming a common thing that mm. people are observing and it's also uh, a lot uh, is a result of our poor islamic training a lot is a result of our unfortunately our weakness in our akhlaq our character I see there's a comment here it's unfortunate that women who agree to be housewives are not given any recompense after divorce as men are advised by local ulama that if a woman's basic needs are fulfilled he owes her nothing yeah this is uh, another question that we need to look at 
And therefore, I think uh, there are ways by which you can address these things even before your marriage. There are good marriage contracts that have been established and uh, by ulama in t- today's times. And maybe one should look at these contracts, uh, which does provide certain form of uh, security. Uh, and the reason for the security is that because we don't have the Baytul Mal like it was in the past, mm. we also have very selfish men. And we don't, under, and we spoke about this previously. The reason why Islam provides a greater share for men in inheritance is because of the responsibility that they have to look after the family. Yes. Mm. And the last comment we have, Maharaji speaks so humbly and beautifully, mashallah. So we're enjoying this since it started. Mubarak to Marana and Marana's daughter. Uh, they also request for to make sincere dua for all daughters and children. Inshallah, may Allah give uh, all our mothers, our daughters, all our men, fathers, good life. Uh, again, Marana, you know, it's there's just been so many coincidences. So I was coming to the uh, to the station this morning and I was sure. speaking to a friend of mine, uh, Solid Dokra from Dubai. Right. And we, he was in Dubai and we were speaking and we were chatting. And he said he wants to send me a book. And, mm. he, and he said the book is uh, a very nice book. It is a, 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 it's a research done by Howard University. And the name of the book is Good Life. Mm. Uh, and the whole uh, emphasis in that book is on relationships. No. So, inshallah, maybe when we finish with this program, we might take that book and start discussing that concept of good life based on good relationships. Mm. That will be one uh, very inshallah. important topic that we can touch on. Jazakallah for your time. Much appreciated. Inshallah, we'll, uh, we'll have uh, our program next week Wednesday again. Inshallah. Inshallah. Inshallah.